Welcome to the Edible Alpha podcast series, your source for actionable insights into making money in food. I'm Tara Johnson, the Tara's Way Lady, and we're here to talk to a wide range of stakeholders about what it really takes to grow a financially viable food business. Okay, let's go. <laughs> hey, well, thanks for coming down to the studio today. Love, love being here. It's awesome. Yeah. So we're in the studio and there's a concert piano right next to us, you know, just in case we need it. <laughs> I won't be playing it. Uh, Maybe yeah, you can. trust me, I'm not playing it either. Yeah. Yeah. Well, why don't you, why don't we start by having you introduce yourself to the audience? Yeah. Uh, Frank Kamena is managing partner of Evolve Brands. We, uh, we are located in Jackson, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Um, we operate and manufacture two brands out of there. One is Gorilla Goods and the other is Supernola. Mm-hmm. Uh, we acquired the, the business about just about a year ago. So March 1st, we, mm-hmm. we officially started Evolve Brands. Uh, while both brands are, are uh, newer in the marketplace, they have been around for a little bit. So we're, mm-hmm. uh, we're really excited where the, the prospect of growth is going to come from uh, over the next few years with us. Yeah, yeah. So it's fun to have you here for a whole bunch of reasons, but one of them is I'm, I typically um, interview people who are the founder who started things. I don't think I've ever interviewed somebody who is kind of the next stage, right, in the development of a food company, which is, you know, after the thing is up and running. Yeah. yeah. So how did you, what is your background? Like, how did you get to this place? Yeah. So I, I have... 20 plus years in consumer packaged goods experience. Um, I, most of my experience came from the Hershey company. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked there for just over 18 years, mm-hmm. did a whole bunch of different roles, everything from sales, category management, and all the way up into strategy. Mm-hmm. And so as as I was progressing my career, I started to get this itch about, mm-hmm. you know, I was meeting a lot of entrepreneurs and meeting a lot of people in the marketplace. And I'm like, I can do this. I can go figure something out. So I ended up leaving the company about two and a half years ago. Um, initially started uh, consulting, and that was really kind of get me out of the corporate world and just get me into something that I know I could go help companies. Well, lo and behold, um, a lot of the work I started doing was around small and emerging companies mm-hmm. and starting to see some of these great brands go to the marketplace. Um and the other pull for me was I wanted to get back to the Midwest. I had been for 20 plus years told where to live, how long to live, and you never know when you're going to have to pick up your family and go again. So really made the choice that we're we're done with that. Mm-hmm. Um, great company, great people, but for me, it was just time to, to move into something new. So we were, our plan moved to Madison, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Um do you have family here? Or I, is do. It, yeah. I do. I okay. do. I grew up in southern southern Wisconsin. Oh, okay. My, so my, that's how you ended up here. My wife is from Iowa, so oh, we're all Midwest, okay, sure. Midwest based. So mm-hmm. about a week before we were moving from Hershey, Pennsylvania to Madison, uh, I got introduced to Cindy, Cindy Poise, who is the founder of Supernola. Mm. And she was just getting her brand off the ground. And so we're, her and I connected. It was really just a great synergies, uh, common beliefs mm. and, and quality products, whole foods, organic. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was looking to take this mainstream in scale. Mm-hmm. So we started off a great relationship and we really started working on the branding side of, of the business because it's really what it needed. It needed the story, the articulation, the, mm-hmm. the packaging, all the things sure. that come with that. 
And so I got moved to Madison, and quickly thereafter, we needed to start looking for coal manufacturing right. because she had a facility in Pennsylvania, but it really wasn't set up to scale the mm-hmm. way that we were looking at it. Um, and through my contacts, I got introduced to the owners of Gorilla Goods. Mm-hmm. And that really turned into a conversation that started around man- manufacturing our mm-hmm. product because it was awesome because they made it the same way that we made it. They had the same base ingredients, um, same philosophy. Similar, very, yeah, very yeah, similar. Very there was similar. A lot of, right. There was a lot of synergy in yep. this. Um, so it was last December, we made our first production run mm-hmm. on their equipment. Mm-hmm. The conversation very quickly went from manufacturing to buying. Mm-hmm. Um, the owners were, they wanted to retire. They right. were looking for a way out. Um, the company had been an acquisition target once. Right. Um, that and they fell, ended, that kind of fell through fell and they through. ended up with it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what, what really got us excited was the operational side of it, but then it gave us a head start into the distribution path. So mm-hmm. we had a company there and a brand that was, um, you know, 1,500 outlets across the U.S. Right. We had the distribution network set up through yep. Unify and K and some mm-hmm. of the other regional distributors. Um, what it really needed was sales and marketing. Right. And that's where my background comes mm-hmm. in. Um, so we saw something that had a really head start. We saw it very innovative, and we saw the synergy of being able to manufacture Supernova. Right. So it was it was really how this all came to be. Mm-hmm. And literally last March, um, we closed on the business. So so we acquired both brands and right. Revolve. Um, we still continue to manufacture just the same way. Mm-hmm. But you know, really since then, it's been. Um, it's taken a little while to get the operational side underneath us because you don't wake up day one and know the food safety pieces, know the procurement side of it, know packaging, corrugate, displays, go through all of those mm-hmm. pieces, um, getting the suppliers right, mm-hmm. um, get your certifications. So you had to get recertified on, on right, organic. Right, right. Um, and so that took that took some time to mm-hmm. really understand that. But then quickly thereafter, it's really now turning into a sales and marketing game, sure. Um, because we have that, we understand our capacities, mm-hmm. and that's that's a big thing when you're a small company, mm-hmm. and understanding what your tipping point is, right, um, right. And for you, um, coming from a big company, this has to be because I'm looking at you thinking, yeah, 18 years in in the food industry, and you start with these young companies, and oh my god, I got to do all of this, right? Isn't that feel different? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's. Um, uh, the way I explain it to people is that for me, I wasn't ready 15 years ago to do what I'm doing. I was not ready. Um, that experience gave me the point where I'm at today. Right. What I still didn't have, though, is not like I was running manufacturing at the Hershey Company. Mm-hmm. They kept us far away from that. <laughs> right, <laughs> by, right, by choice, exactly. Right? Like, no, we don't want we, you we here. Right, right, go like, away. Go. Yes. So when you move into something like this, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you're looking at your equipment, and you have some specialized equipment, mm-hmm. and there's recipes and there's very stringent processes in place, um, and everything from that to your laborers. Right. Your, your yeah, hourly you've people. Got, yeah, you've and got it's, it, employees. And it, it's a whole different... You know, I had employees. I had a lot of employees that work, worked mm-hmm. under me, but it's a lot different when... We have different facets of employees now that you have right. to really understand mm-hmm. the different dynamic there. Mm-hmm. So um, that experience gave me to this point, mm-hmm. right? And and everything else I was learning. And so that's you know that's the one thing um, 
I think I was telling you earlier about some of our investors. Sure. And so I, both Cindy and I are very cognizant of mm-hmm. our strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. There's the one thing around the experience. So it's, mm-hmm. uh, like I said, I'm very comfortable in strengths and weaknesses. I understand that. Yeah. So um, when you come into something like this, you're wearing so many hats. And people talk about it, but until you actually do, do it. Do it, I know. It's, Isn't it's it crazy? It's a whole different whole different yeah, game. Yeah, like, no, you don't realize. I was cleaning the toilet yesterday. Yes. No, literally cleaning the toilet in yeah. the, yeah. Yeah, I mean, people no idea. don't understand if somebody doesn't show up for work mm-hmm. and we have production runs, it gets, who, guess who's going in there? Yep, yep. It's one of us. Yep, we're going to put the hairnet on. Yep, yep. And, and when you're at that point, that's, you have to get the orders out. So, mm-hmm. you know, the way I explain it is, um, you know, I am not best served in the production facility, but I also know that if it needs to get done, it needs to get done, mm-hmm. and just do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the the overall experience has has helped, mm-hmm. and then as we're getting into a lot of retailers now, the selling right. cycle is long, right. but it's very different than coming from a big company. Mm-hmm. So coming from a big company, you have lots of resources at your disposal. Mm-hmm. And even and the, everybody knows your brand. Everybody right? knows your brand. So so everybody knows Hershey's. You can't yes. be in food and not know Hershey's. Yeah. You can't be anywhere and not know Hershey's, right? right? right. So you would show up and people would automatically know you. Well not only would I show up, we would get meetings whenever we wanted right. with whoever we wanted. Right, right, right. You know, you want to go it's meet with Hershey the president calling. of division? Yep, right. we'll do an annual mat planning. Mm-hmm. We'll do a strap plan with them, and we'll we'll go talk to the president of division. Right, right. We'll talk to the CEO of Target. Right. Um, you move off of that, mm-hmm. and Cindy constantly reminds me of this. She's not you're not Hershey anymore. You can't get phone right. calls back. Yeah. You and, and yeah. again, it's, isn't that crazy? It, it's such. I remember with Tara's way, I had that experience too, right? Because yeah. I was running a, a hundred-year-old company, not a brand like like Hershey's, but it was still a hundred-year-old company. Right. And people would return your phone calls, absolutely. And then I did Tara's way. It was like, oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. I can't believe how hard it is yeah. to get somebody to talk to. Yeah, we would do. You know, at a big company, you do strategy around mm. your big retailers. Yeah. You come to this, mm-hmm. um, our focus in the last six months has established a local base. Sure. So we are actively working mm-hmm. to work with the co-ops, so the Willie Street, right. Outpost, mm-hmm. um, Festival Foods, mm-hmm. Woodman's, mm-hmm. Sendix. In a big company, a lot of times those, they're they're yeah, smaller, regional. Right. They're still important, mm-hmm. but you're planning your company around Walmart, Target, CVS, right, Walgreens. Right, right, right. Um, so for us... And that's, you know, my learning from that has been I can establish the backyard first. And right. we're going to do that. And mm-hmm. and that's that's taken some time. It's, yeah. it's relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is one thing I did learn that I can apply back now is mm-hmm. how do you establish these relationships? Right. right. Um, and, and I think for us, we are just, you know, again, you don't show up day one and they're mm-hmm. like, oh, hey, how you doing? Like. You got to right. earn your way into that. Yeah, yeah, and you and your products are um, incredibly clean snack foods, yes. right? That's essentially what they are. Um, but there's a lot going on in the snack right. category too. So I'm sure that it is. Um, it's a gauntlet to go through to get people to pay attention. It, I would guess it, it really is. We're in a highly, highly competitive segment of the marketplace. Yeah. Um, so I think I think part of that has to do with there's a lot of noise out there, mm-hmm. a lot of noise, and how do you cut through that? And, mm-hmm. and we continue to talk to retailers about consumer confusion. Right, right. So our positioning is we're going to check all the boxes, mm-hmm. and we're going to we're going to set the foundation first off of that. Mm-hmm. And so 
from our product standpoint, what do you mean by checking all the boxes? Right. Well, let, let's start with manufacturing. Mm-hmm. Uh, our facility is run by 100% renewable energy. Mm-hmm. We have zero waste, and we're, we're working on upcycling waste. Nice. So we have some things we're doing with composting around that. Mm-hmm. Um, our product's 100% organic. Our facility mm-hmm. is organic. Right. So there's no compromise in that. Mm-hmm. There's no peanuts ever in our, our facility. There's no gluten ever in our facility. Mm-hmm. So we can... You flip that back a package op- over, and what's the first thing you see on most bars? Manufacturing a facility with with peanuts, peanuts. yes, yeah. And uh, doing a lot of consumer events mm-hmm. and talking to the mom that you know kids have severe allergies. Mm-hmm. It's it's a breath of fresh air for them mm-hmm. to know that. Um, the, the other piece then is really really clean products. Right. Tran- we are we are very transparent in the products. There's nothing processed, nothing mm-hmm. refined. And then you go all the way to the end part of it. So we give back part of our proceeds mm-hmm. to Diane Fossey Fund, mm-hmm. saving uh, mountain gorillas and mountain gorilla habitat. Mm-hmm. And then we just signed a national partnership with Girls on the Run. Oh, nice! So part of our mm-hmm. uh, part of our proceeds go back to those foundations. Mm-hmm. We did our first Girls on the Run, um, South Central Wisconsin, last mm-hmm. fall, nice. and it was two thousand girls. My daughter did it. It's just mm-hmm. absolutely just a great organization. Mm-hmm. So, so we kind of check all those boxes, and then when you start going against the competitive set. Well, how are mm-hmm. you different? So we are one of the very few products that really can make the, the claim no refined ingredients, mm-hmm. no peanuts, no um, no gluten, all of that. Right, Just check right. all those boxes right. on the way. When you start seeing the companies that mm-hmm. you compare against, mm-hmm. you're it's pretty amazing. You're like, oh, they have natural flavors in their product. Right, right. The the ambiguous natural flavors. Right, that could be anything, um, yeah. Manufactured mm-hmm. in a line that has peanuts. Yeah. Um, so, so a lot of this is we are just making sure we're checking all the boxes. Mm-hmm. But most importantly, we come back to the products, and we, mm-hmm. we believe that good food should be good tasting. Mm-hmm. So we want to bring taste back. And that's mm-hmm. that's another piece within the product portfolio that um, the products are complex. Right. They are, they, it, the Grilly Goods... Take, In particular. Take, yes. It, yeah, they did a lot of work on those products. They some certainly of those, do. Some of those, like the, the kale and... It has kale in it. Um, it's our hillside, with, yeah. hillside brand. That that particular product, and it has, I don't know if it's tamari in it or something. It has a little bit yes, of- Yes, it's, right, it's a little savory. little savoriness yes. to it that comes from somewhere. I, I just love that stuff. And I kept thinking, wouldn't this be great to have at a bar? Like instead of that <laughs> awful, you know, the-, the you know, Terrible the, trail the, mix. Terrible oh, trail mix stuff right, that is just right. like, ugh. That would, stuff would be so good. Yes. In fact, um, we did a- um, slow money event here. Um, it, this is probably five years ago now when they were just getting started. And they and we had it at a microbrewery that's gluten-free here in Madison. So all brew is all brew, uh, yes. 100% yes. gluten-free, right? So they brought, they you know, everybody brings samples and we were all like, dude, you got to get this <laughs> stuff in here because this is awesome instead of that junk that you have when you go to a go to a bar. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and you know, a lot of our efforts have to be around education. Mm-hmm. So if you think about it, it's um, particularly on the grilly goods side of it mm-hmm. where we, we take extra, extra steps in the processing. So soaking and sprouting the seeds and nuts um, mm-hmm. takes extra time. Absolutely. Um, helps with digestion. There's a mm-hmm. lot of great health benefits with that, but then it also gives you really that strong crunch. Mm-hmm. Then we don't bake, we low right. temp dehydrate. Right. And the low temp dehydration mm-hmm. takes days. Yeah. 
It, yeah, and it, uh, that was the other thing I remember talking to Stephen about because he didn't talk about to people about that, and I said, you know, that's a that's a proprietary process that you've developed, and and it's really significant to people who are concerned about you know raw product, right, right and don't want things um, denatured by heating them right. over a certain temperature. So it's a significant thing about how you do what you do. Well, and then. And then you, you look at the marketplace, and there's there's some seed companies out there mm-hmm. that that soak and sprout their their products. Mm-hmm. All that they're doing is a really simple process, though, where they're putting a little bit of sea salt on it, mm, and then they throw right. it in a bag, and, and right, and that's it. And that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, we have three extra steps along mm-hmm. the way, but what you're getting are those strong flavor profiles that come right, out from right. that. So that education piece has been, um, it's, it's one of these things we have to continually do mm-hmm. because we have to educate our brokers, our distributors, mm-hmm. the retailers, and ultimately it's consumers. all about the consumers. Yeah, yeah. You it's think a of about the train. flow of, of getting, getting these products in. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's something that's going to be ongoing. It's not going to stop. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, with both our brands, though, like I said, they're complex, but mm-hmm. they get really unique flavor profiles. Mm-hmm. And we keep coming back to that. And that's what right. we love even getting in front of consumers because it's that reaction. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that's really good. Yeah, yeah. They didn't expect it. Yeah, totally. That that kale, the kale yeah. one is a great example of that because you're like, huh, kale and a little yeah. snack thing? Like, really? And then you have it and you go, yeah, really? Right. This is really good. <laughs> yeah. We were, um, I was in Portland this past week and, you know, that marketplace is very in tune with Oh, with you bet. Products. Yeah, so, yeah, so, totally. Um, we were getting into some of the local co-ops and natural and specialty shops and, mm-hmm. and the broker I was with, and they're great, but they're they're like, these people are very, very particular in their products. Yeah, right, right. And it was a slam dunk for yeah. us. No, you would be a slam dunk yeah. for those folks. Yeah. And, yeah. and they, were, they were just like, oh my gosh, you guys have checked all the boxes. They're mm-hmm. like, you've got to realize how few companies come through here that mm-hmm. can actually do what you're saying. Right. Right. And in part, it's because you manufacture yourself, right? And I think it's really interesting because a lot of brands, particularly if they're not from the Midwest, um, kind of the mental model for a lot of the the investors and the the founders is to, oh, we're going to use co-packers. We're not going to, why invest all that cap? That takes so much capital to do it. But then you can't do the kinds of stuff that you're doing, right? Because finding a co-packer who will be willing and able and have all those certifications, it's not possible. Yeah. And then it's that transparency piece Yeah. Too. Like, you lose you, that too. Do you really, mm-hmm. you know, you understand how to make your own product, but when you give it to somebody else, mm-hmm. are they doing it of the same standard? Um, are you going to give up a standard? Right. Because you can't do it. Because they're, and they're often doing it at such a large scale that you have to like re-engineer your product right. to make it fit in the larger scale processing than you have and that kind of stuff. And that's, you end up on this kind of slippery slope, right? Well, it is, and you have to you have to leverage it to your advantage. Mm-hmm. And so, how how we're doing it, obviously, proprietary ways of of making right. the product that that's one thing. But then we always kind of look at problems and opportunities. Mm-hmm. So one of the problems we had, and we identify this rather gates, is um, grilly goods, forest and jungle. The binder in it is bananas. Mm-hmm. We get pallets of bananas coming in; they're hand peeled. Um, we ultimately then mix them into the product in a little temp dehydrate to make mm-hmm. that product. The leftover piece, though, is what? Banana peels. Right, right. And so as we were starting to look at what do you 
do, what do you with do banana with this? And peels? You contact the local farmers and you can mm-hmm. dump it in the fields and mm-hmm. all that. But it, it was really kind of like, there's got to be something we can do with this. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty of having your manufacturing. So we, we decided and did some research that consumers use will use banana peels and just put them in their garden. Mm. They'll dry them and they'll break them up and they're, mm-hmm. they're excellent for the garden. They're excellent for roses. Hmm. Um, they're a repellent for, for some bugs. Really? Yes. Interesting. I had no idea. So we started playing around with our dehydration uh-huh. of the bananas. And what we're able to get to now is a compost. Wow. And we've now since partnered with a local coffee roaster. Mm-hmm. Guess what? They have a lot of left Yeah. Co- co- yeah the, co- the beans. The beans, beans. Yeah. Yeah. They have the same problem. Interesting. They have a service come the by, grounds, they throw yeah. them on the fields and they right. just recompost them. So we're like, well, Let's put these two together. Mm-hmm. We did some of the the analysis on it as mm-hmm. well, and they actually complement each other. Nice. And so, so these are things that we're we're looking for. Mm-hmm. Like, and and we're not quite there yet, but mm-hmm. having your equipment to be able to do some of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking to a local um, producer of uh, vegetables. Mm-hmm. I mean, can can yeah. tomatoes, vegetables. They got a lot of a lot of leftover right, of right. peels, even bananas, um, mm-hmm. um, even just kind of think of uh, tomatoes. And right, just, that don't make it through the QA so process. So we've gotten yeah. all of their things, and we're putting mm-hmm. them in our dehydration, and we're starting to look at, can you make a pet food out of it? Can you make compost out of it? Can you make soups mm-hmm. out of it? So us having that extra arm yeah. to be able to do that is is great. And it, it for us, it's looking for future revenue opportunities. Mm-hmm. We don't take the eye off the ball from our branded products, of right? Course, that's that's yeah. got to be a, a mainstay. But, you know, our objective when you own your equipment is equipment's got to be running. Right. All right. the time. Yep. Got to be full. Yeah. So, yeah. So what's interesting to me about th- what you're just talking about is that whole rescued food thing that's going on right now in, in the food industry, right? We're trying to figure out ways. People, are, consumers are sort of going, huh, we have all this food waste, right? And um, yeah, what what can we do with our food right. waste, right? So right. this is really interesting to people, I would think. Yeah. The uh, I just read an article this morning. Uh, there's a lot of retailers that are um, the ugly fruits and yeah, they're putting right, their sections exactly. up and they've yep. been piloting this, but it hasn't been going so well. Right. So the hypothesis is that the consumers, even though they say it when they go to the store, they, oh, yeah. they, they want the beautiful looking apple and they do the other. Yeah. They do the other. Um, where we're starting to look at this is even working with something like the food bank. Mm-hmm. So when the food bank gets products sent to them, they have right. days. Mm-hmm. Right, to, to get, get them out, of. right. Mm-hmm. We offer a kill step in our processing mm-hmm. that says, well, what if we were going to, instead of going there, send it mm-hmm. here, process it, and Dehydrated make something and then, different mm-hmm. for them. So um, like a soup mm-hmm. or a dry mix or right, something like that. Right. So these are all things that we're, we're looking mm-hmm. at, and there is a lot of food waste in the industry. Yeah, yeah, lot there's of, just so much. So much. Yeah, so yeah. Anything we can do to help with mm-hmm. that is is part of our core cause that, mm-hmm. that we're all about. But we also are looking at problems, opportunities. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and just being part of the whole compost dream of right. getting stuff back into build building the soil, right? Yes. Because it's re- that humus is the place where all, where carbon gets sequestered, yep. right? So all that compost stuff is building humus. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we're um, 
And the other thing, too, with us being the bananas are organic. Right, So you right. can't always do that with regular bananas mm-hmm. because sometimes they'll use a chemical over them. Oh, to, okay. To mm-hmm. either from pest control or um, mm-hmm. to ripen them. Yeah. And so us being organic... It means that you can you use can them. You can do that. Yeah. You can put it back into the soil. Nice. Nice. How exciting is that? Is that you yeah. know, I, it's interesting. So um, Tara's Way, um, when we first... When, when we were first on the marketplace, we, we created this the health and wellness category, basically, for whey protein in the United States, because before then it was all bodybuilder kind of stuff. And um, our positioning was all around health and wellness for consumers. Mm. And I've noticed, so it's been a while since I've run the company and been involved, but I've noticed that their marketing now is shifted a lot more, because we had a real green manufacturing facility, too, and that traceability that comes with having your your own manufacturing facility. So now they are leaning a lot more in their branding on that with mm-hmm. Terrace Way. Because everybody now is, it, you know, the health and wellness category for whey protein. Now everybody's like, well, duh, of course, that's what it is, right? Right. right. So that's not differentiating anymore the way it was in the beginning. So yeah. having, having your own manufacturing where you can control kind of what you're doing, how, where the ingredients come from, what you do with their waste, we, we, we used wastewater in our plant, and we did all kinds of energy-efficient stuff in our plant, too, um, heat recovery and all kinds of stuff. So, yeah, now they're, they're positioning around that more for the—yeah, it's just yeah. another dimension for the brand. The So remember I talked early on about there's a highly, highly competitive yeah. snack market out there. Yeah, And so— um, Part of our strategy all around has been around mindful snacking. Mm-hmm. So we we've established the strategy. We are going to be a leader in mindful mm-hmm. snacking. And what does that mean? Yeah, and that goes me. through all of those pieces that mm-hmm. I just talked about about mm-hmm. giving back, sustainable, uh, upcycling, mm-hmm. uh, making really clean products. Right. Ultimately, what we're trying to get to though is the consumer that. Mm-hmm. We won't cater to diets. We believe mm-hmm. 80-20 lifestyle is, right, is where right, you should right. go. However, if a consumer chooses to do something, mm-hmm. we have something in our product portfolio for everyone. Mm-hmm. You want to do keto diet? Here you go. There's a there's a right. product here, here right. for you. You want to do Whole30? Here you go. Um, but we're counting on this consumer base, especially the millennial, mm-hmm. and even, even younger than that, is becoming much more in tune with mm-hmm. what they're putting in their bodies. Mm-hmm. And they will look at that back of package, mm-hmm. and if they see, don't see something they like, they're not buying it. Mm-hmm. If they don't understand it, they're not buying it. Or right. they will research it, thus right, being right, mindful. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll look at, look at it on our phone and see if we see what this company is yes. like. Yeah. Yeah. So we're so our positioning in that is is a premium snack company. Mm-hmm being a leader in mindful snacking, mm-hmm. and we're checking all these boxes along the way mm-hmm. to do what the modern consumer has said that they want, what right. they're looking for. Right. So we're really excited about that positioning. We think there's a lot of growth prospect mm-hmm. there. Um, I, I will I will put it in context the way that we look at the marketplace. Mm-hmm. And so if you go into your average convenience store five years ago, mm-hmm. you did not see fresh prepared meals. You didn't see fresh vegetables. You didn't see... Maybe even milk or eggs. Right, right. Now you go in and they'll have 48 feet of, of healthier options. They'll mm-hmm. have bananas. They'll have fresh produce. They'll have organic milk. They'll have organic eggs. And look at how that, that has shifted over the last Incredible change. five years. And so our positioning says that the snack market is going to do the same thing mm-hmm. and that you're going to have this, you're going to have these mainstream 
snacks that are always that have always been out there. But there's going to be this new wave of this mindful snacking, which is a premium snack set mm-hmm. that is for that consumer that really understands I have to be gluten free, I can't have processed foods, I have to uh, understand gut health. They're going to look for companies right, like that, right? And the positioning within that is we believe that there's a premium mm-hmm. piece within snacks. Right. I can relate this to my Hershey days mm-hmm. where 10 years ago, if you looked at the candy section, you didn't know what lint Giardelli was. Right. There was no uh, chocolate love. There was mm-hmm. no endangered species. Look at the premium products that sit there today. Mm-hmm. And every store will have 48 feet of that. Right. You still have your mainstream, mm-hmm. but this is the next wave coming in. And we see this happening in the, in the snack market. Mm-hmm. And we're going to take a leadership position in that mm-hmm. and drive towards that. Right. So what I'm also finding, well, f- two things. The first is like all the data, I'm sure you know this, but all the, the consumer data about younger people says that they snack, they don't sit down and eat. So my, I have three millennial kids and I made dinner and made us all sit down to dinner every <laughs> every night, right? Um, only one of the three does that. My my other two are much more likely to be, you know, eating on the go. Although as they get older, they're getting more like they're going to sit down and right, eat. But, right. But they're the they. But they also grew up with me, so they're really they're pretty attuned to what is healthy and what is not healthy, and organic and not, and that kind of thing. So so they're completely. I can totally see them being um, your consumer. The other thing I'll say is that my friends, older people, I don't, you know, our guts or I don't know what's going on in our environment, but my friends are getting gluten intolerant and dairy intolerant and all kinds of things. And, and suddenly people who have eaten everything, can't eat everything anymore or discovered that they can't, um, they feel better if they don't. So it isn't just the young folks, I don't think who are your target market. I I agree. I I think where we're seeing this is, um, it's not generational. No, it cuts yeah. through. Yeah, it cuts through, and I it's agree. it's lifestyle based. And um, you know, I was in, we were in front of a retailer, and one of the things we talked to them about is the uh, the problem of over medication in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And so, typically, your your doctors are not really peeling the onion back to mm-hmm. understand what's happening. Right. They're covering it. They're right, masking right, it. Right. And so um, there's a lot of really startling facts mm-hmm. around the medical profession and how little educated they are on diets mm-hmm. and what people are putting into their bodies. Right. And so the natural inclination is, oh, my joints hurt. I'm mm-hmm. going to go see the doctor. He or she's going to give me a prescription. Give me a drug, right. And mm-hmm. it's just going to cover it up versus mm-hmm. like, wait a minute. Maybe it is dairy that's causing inflammation mm-hmm. in my body. Maybe right. it's gluten that's mm-hmm. causing inflammation in my body. Mm-hmm. So instead of taking the approach of peeling that back, this we think the consumer base, especially with the, the price of medication and all that, the consumer base, this is where this education comes in, is that you know, especially if you get into a new mom's network now, mm-hmm. you look at how, how the moms today are different than what they were 10, probably from what even what you were. Yeah, totally it, different than when I was yeah. raising kids. Actually not. I was sort of way ahead oh, of my maybe, time. Oh, maybe, yes, you were a trendsetter. But I, yeah, right, well, yeah. I was kind of a hippie, you know? I mean, there there's, it's kind of, you know what I mean? Yes. Like we were kind of, we were eating organic already yeah. and I, um, but we weren't not eating dairy and we weren't, you know, that kind of stuff um, was, was definitely not in understood the way it is now put it right. that way yeah right and so I think I think you know understanding 
the data and the trends is one thing. Mm-hmm. And that's, that is one thing I, I learned. There's good and bad with getting a lot of data. Right. So my perspective on that is mm-hmm. it gives you a benchmark. Yeah. You kind of understand what you got. But it's like an investment. It's not mm-hmm. forward-looking. So if you constantly look at all the mm-hmm. same data, mm-hmm. it's all backward-looking. Right, right. So you have to position yourself to sidestep mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. to create the trend. Don't get sucked into, mm-hmm. well, the data has always said this. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like, wait a minute. If I follow that data, right. you know, we wouldn't have any healthy options in a, yeah. in a convenience store. Right, right, so, right, right. So you have to know where the consumer is going mm-hmm. and really try to position yourself there. Right. So there's um, a... F- a friend of mine owns Fromagination in town, Ken at Leone. And before he opened Fromagination, do you know that store? I it's do, on yes. the square. Yes. So uh, really fabulous high-end cheese and companion products, he calls it. So he um, he w- had been a buyer at both Land's End and Famous Footwear before he branched out. He did his version of you and said, I want my own business yeah. now. Um, and he said, you know, I, I always, my always described him as he was one of those people who knew ahead of time that next season women wanted green purses. Now, if you had asked a woman, did she want a green <laughs> purse the year before, nobody would have said, I want a green purse. But he is one of these like visionary people about products that could see, see beyond where we're at right now, right? And that's kind of what you're describing in food, right? That yes. you're trying to move to the next level, basically. Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, you know, there's a level of authenticity that we can bring to the table. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I was at a big food company, you manufacture that authenticity up. It's not right. really, it's, you got millions of dollars of branding and, and mm-hmm. advertising behind it. Thousands of salespeople going out and flooding the marketplace. But at the end of the day, the consumer sees through it. Mm-hmm. And so we are, we the level of authenticity when we say we are checking mm-hmm. the box and we are living what we are saying. Right, um, right. Really is a foundation to, mm-hmm. to our business. Mm-hmm. And we believe that the consumer is going to reward companies like that. Mm-hmm. Um, is it going to happen right away today? No, it's going to take it's some time. It's a process. You still have to go through the whole learning or the whole education process right. to get through the channel and the consumer that everybody has to go through, right? right. You have a better, deeper, richer story because of what you do, but it's yeah. still the process. You, th- you think about. One avenue we could constantly just hit is renewable energy mm-hmm. in our facility. That in itself is a marketing arm that you know right. we don't talk a lot about it. Right. Not yet. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, and it's like that brand. I talked about brand hierarchies with yes. people, and and they change. Like so, for Tara's way, when we were in the beginning changing the whole category, it was like that was irrelevant. Right now that. Literally, Sprouts copied the the can. You know, it's like everybody's <laughs> whey protein is now like right. this. Now, going back to that and saying, "Wow, but we're like really one step above because it's completely traceable, and we have this green plant." And that that's when it becomes relevant to the consumer. If that makes sense, it does make sense. Yeah, it does make sense. Yeah, and so you'll have all of that in your back pocket when it's time. Yes, for it. Yeah, 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 and it's it's. Um, you know, for us to even talk about soaking and sprouting, mm-hmm. we don't. It, you taste it in the products. Yep. You know, we're not we're not hammering this from a marketing stand because yep. the average consumer doesn't really doesn't quite really know understand. about that yet. Yeah. Not yet, and mm-hmm. and that's okay because you know what we we know we have a very clean product, mm-hmm. very healthy product, 
and they're going to reward us based on taste. Mm-hmm. Now, we'll get extra credit around all these other areas I, I talked about, and that's building loyalty over mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. So um, as evolved brands, that stamp of approval, mm-hmm. as we develop more and more types of products sure. in our pipeline, um, we know that we're going to be we're going to be doing it genuine, mm-hmm. doing it authentic, and really just going after that consumer that you know values mm-hmm. that and, and more and more do today. Right. So... Another thing that was really shocking to me when I went from running a mature company to being in a startup was um, the money thing. So, you know, when you work for a mature company, now I, yeah, so when you work in a, in a mature company, you have you have kind of a controller, CFO person. You probably have a, they have a relationship with a bank. It's been there for a long time. You know, you get a new account. It's really cool because you say, oh, we're going to get into a big account here, thousand stores, really great account, um, but we're going to need some more working capital. And the bank goes, sure, you've always paid it back. It's fine. And then you get into the startup and it's like, oh my God, now what do we do? So are you going through that right now? We we are. And, and that, is the, that is the thing that I think most people that want to jump into something like this, you really got to be cognizant of, of the money. The... The cash, it's a cash flow game. So this thing I explain to people in the big companies is they don't mm-hmm. understand. They do, but they don't. They, they do, but they don't. Yeah. Unless you've lived it that right. you don't understand. Yeah. Right. And it's, while it's it's great to say, yes, I can't wait to get in these thousand stores. Right. Well, hold on. Let's take a step back here. Let me think. Okay. So I got I to gotta buy all my ingredients. I got to pay people to make it. I got to package it. And it's going to cost me money to do that. Uh, I have to get it shipped. I have to get to a distribution center, which then gets it out to the retailer, which then gets it on the shelf. By the time you get paid, it's six months down the yeah, road. Yeah, yeah. And where do you think that money's going to come from? Right. So as as you're building the business and you're scaling, mm-hmm. you really have to be cognizant of, you know, what happens if, mm-hmm. you know, and we've laid the groundwork for mm-hmm. that. So there's ways of financing, mm-hmm. purchase order financing right, and sure. th- things like that in the event that you do get that big mm-hmm. order. And, you know, it's going to be great once once it, it gets going, but getting mm-hmm. it off the ground is tough. So this is one of the areas where... Um, I really differed from people starting food companies in the, the in the West Coast in particular, where there seems to be more equity than, you know, like you can be an accredited investor in San Francisco. My joke is if you had if you happen to own a garage, right? <laughs> and you're at the right time, right. right? So so there's just a lot of equity. So they tend to finance these startup food companies with heavily with equity. And we don't have that out here. Um, and it's actually in a way fortunate because food companies always need a banking relationship. But even when they're big hundred year old, yes. you know, Sargento, trust me, I don't know, but I do know that they would have a working capital line of credit. They have to. So the earlier a startup company um, or a company like yours that has some, it's a new company with some newer brands, right? Um, the sooner you can get that working capital availability and a relationship with a lender, the better. We and that's a great point. We actually established that before we bought the business. Good. Yeah, that's great. Because we knew... You knew this was coming. We knew it was coming. Yeah, yeah. Now, does it 
Does it help? Yes. Does it, it need solve you? the problem a hundred percent? No. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. But but you're you can't say yes without that, right? right? Like you can't. And and this is such a game of trying to, if you're if you have some brands and that are getting traction, like it sounds like you guys are, it becomes like whoa, we got to get positioned so we can say yes. Right. Yeah. The the other thing too, and just from from building it. Building our model, mm-hmm. um, there was there was two points of direction we we could have went. Mm-hmm. One is um, we're going to go out raise a whole bunch of capital mm-hmm. and we're going to position this thing to flip the business mm-hmm. in three to five years. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of companies out there that are doing right. it. When you go to Expo, you'll you'll probably be able to pick them out. Yep, yep. <laughs> you know, they're the ones running around with you know car wraps and food right, trucks and, <laughs> and all that stuff, right? Handing stuff out when you go up the escalator, right? Exactly, right? they're all because yeah. they got right. the, they got the marketing, right. they got the money to go do it. Um, our positioning was we we want to build something sustainable. Mm-hmm. So our our path is going to be a little bit harder, mm-hmm. but we want to build a profitable business. And right. partly because of that is if you follow the markets right now, um, you have to be in this industry, you need to be prepared for a pullback. Mm-hmm. And to that point about there's a lot of money being thrown around out right, there right now. Right, right, What happens when there's a pullback? A I lot know. of these companies are going to fold. Yeah. And it's unfortunate, but because mm-hmm. you, you're, you're reliant on that and we built our model in place to be sustaining. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's a really, it's different. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. And do I wish, you know, we spent millions and millions of dollars in marketing? Mm-hmm. A- absolutely. But that may be here today, gone tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So I think as, as we're... Is we're building and we built our model mm-hmm. and executing against that, we're right where we need to be at mm-hmm. this point. Um, now, is it is it great? No, mm-hmm. but it's it's a process. It is a process, and what um, you know, and it's the way food companies used to be built. Right? They weren't they weren't getting that kind of crazy money thrown at them. Right? right? It was a much more incremental lift, right, to right. grow a food company. And I I tell people, you know, you can make a lot of money if you have 5% return, you know, net income 5% for 50 years, right? That ends up being, in a, in a right. company that's growing, that ends up being quite a lot of money. And it doesn't tend to go away when the economy gets bad. So it's kind of like, yeah, almost annuity-like, but you have to work in the company, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's a, but it's a different mentality and it's a different mentality for investors too, that they have to be in this for something, for another reason. You know, it isn't just like, it's got to be as profitable for me as a biotech investment or something. Yeah. Yeah. The, that's a great point about the investors. So our, our investment group has, has been great Mm -hmm. and they see the long-term prospect, um, I think a lot of them actually want to come work for us. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a bunch of people. That I'm just guessing. It's, it's a bunch of people who can't wait to get out of big exactly. companies. How did I guess? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it is It is an interesting thing. I think part of it is just working for big companies after a while gets tiresome. Yeah. 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 There's a... And it's got to be in food. You know, none of the innovation <clears throat> or little of the innovation is happening in the bigger companies. So you're like, oh, my God, I got to go sell the same thing again. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just it's and it's a function of of you know if you're publicly traded, it's a function sure. of of the reporting mechanics, the next quarter, market share, yeah, all of those avenues mm-hmm. that you spend an in a more in an ordinate amount of time explaining. Right. You know, in our world, mm-hmm. we spend a lot of time selling. Yep. 
And we don't have to explain. We, we got the number. We don't have to explain. Yeah, we, the number is what it is. <laughs> we, we just got to go sell more. Yeah. Yeah, we get so, to sell more. So how is sell-through going? Because I, what I'm seeing for a lot of the people that I work with is that, um, like when I did Tara's Way, we, this was before the whole local food thing craze, right? So it was, the barrier was getting your stuff on the shelf. But once you were on the shelf, there weren't a lot of alternatives. Consumers would find you there. Trial would start, you know? And now I'm feeling like retailers are bringing stuff in and the consumer is just overwhelmed and confused. And so it takes longer to get the consumer to find you. Is that what your experience is it, right now? It is. When, yeah. when you look at um, particularly in the snacking, mm-hmm. you know, just call it uh, nutrition bars or mm-hmm. nutrition segment. There's a lot of noise there. Right. There's a lot of noise there. So, so part of part of there's a couple things that that we look at. Um, n- number one is route to market. So as as we've built the business, our route to market mm-hmm. focuses. The low hanging fruit is this independent. Base. It's the mm-hmm. co-ops, natural and specialty, and you know we've built that to over twenty five hundred mm-hmm. such outlets. So right. anybody discontinues us, it's not putting us out of business. Mm-hmm. You know we right, we, right. You know so what I'm saying? So, totally so, so, we gotta, so we're building a backbone. Yeah, right. The, and the backbone is 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 good. Mm-hmm. Now, once you have the backbone built, you layer on top of that, mm-hmm. and that's where you start pushing into conventional space. Mm-hmm. As we push into conventional space, your tools have to have to really change because mm-hmm. while it's great we can go sell to this one store here or even a small group here now talk about getting into 200 stores and now that that game just elevated right and so you can't just go in sell your product and let mm-hmm. it sit mm-hmm. it just right you, you, you won't will, be sitting there very you long will not be there right long. right so you have to come in with a full toolbox mm-hmm. to work with the retailers, mm-hmm. and it's going to cost some money to do it. Right. And so, you know, part of what we're able to do is establish a trade rate, trade expenditure mm-hmm. rate, and this kind of goes back to my background. My days, this right? is where your background and starts like, being really helpful. Yes, and it mm-hmm. allows us these guardrails within this mm-hmm. to say, you know, my cost of sales is skyrocketing, and this right. isn't returning for us. This doesn't make sense. Right. So sometimes it's better to say no mm-hmm. than jump in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I, I think I also talk people to people a lot in early stage food companies, people keep pushing them to say, well, what percent of sales are you going to spend on marketing? And I'm like, okay, when you are in a young food company, especially with investor money in it, you're spending way more than sales on marketing, yes, right? And yes. promotion because you are supporting rapidly going brand. So that whole concept of a percent of sales for sales and marketing is kind of irrelevant in these younger it, it really situations. Is. It's because completely I'll, irrelevant. I'll give you some some great examples. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of companies out there are faced with this. So where in the world did this free fill thing come in? Right. Where did that come from? And it's it just it's like the standard now. I and, know. And you know, we we sometimes have to do it, mm-hmm. but most of the time is we are not doing free fills. Mm-hmm. However, we'll give you something, but here's a fully loaded promotional calendar because mm-hmm. it's about consumer value. Right. You give a free fill. Number one, I don't make any money on this till you order again. Mm-hmm. Number two is since I'm not making any money, how do I spend against it? Mm-hmm. Well, and it didn't do anything to activate the consumer, right? right? Whereas promotions at least are activating for right. the consumer, right? Hopefully. Yeah. And that's that's the thing that, um, you know, we've very quickly started a collaborative process. Mm-hmm. So, 
you know, like I talked earlier about getting meetings. Mm-hmm. I I may get one or two meetings with a particular retailer a year. I'll be lucky if right. maybe I get a half hour with right. them. So to make use of that, everyone that mm-hmm. we go into is we have a full annual plan that we've put together for mm-hmm. them. And we start the conversation with, you know, the great products, love mm-hmm. it, but we are going to help support to drive conversion right. and store. And here's how we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Align to this plan mm-hmm. and let's just execute it and go. Right. And that has been very well received. Oh, I bet. Because young brands, usually, they, they are so far from ready to even talk about that, right. that all these brands are coming in with no plan for how they're going to help the retailer right. get them off the shelf. And that and increasingly, I, I'm hearing that the, the retailers are just backing off. They're going, we can't keep taking all these brands that are completely ill-equipped right. to get the stuff off the shelf. Yeah, and that's the that's the thing is that you really need to understand that that mm-hmm. go-to-market plan. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's fees all over the place. Mm-hmm. The retailers they got buckets they have to fill. Mm-hmm. Now, as you're going in though and developing that conversion plan, mm-hmm. what does that look like? Multiple pricing? Are you doing scans or? Billbacks, but the thing too is, is a new brand. Um, we will not shy away from running ads, mm-hmm. and here's here's why ads are important. So, an ad by itself mm-hmm. is great, but nobody really reads the ads, right? Except for a couple people that are actually pretty important to your mm-hmm. business, and they're they're, they're store people, right? The store people know each week what ads are mm-hmm. coming, and then they'll go merchandise the product. Right. It's a way for you to get off the shelf. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a way to get allocations to the store. So instead of doing just onesies, one, 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 mm-hmm. one here, they're they're sending fifteen cases right, of right. your product. The store then has to merchandise that. Mm-hmm. It, it's a way to get off the shelf. That's a really good suggestion for people. Yeah, and yeah, and if you do it right as part of an annual plan, mm-hmm. you can negotiate. Mm-hmm. There's always negotiation room out right. of there. So. We can go in and say, here's our target that mm-hmm. we're going to go hit with you. Here's mm-hmm. what I'm willing to spend. Mm-hmm. Here's how we're going to hold hands together and do this. Right. And, and, and this is the, I call it the recipe, the promo recipe. Like what works for different products and different brands seems to be different. It's yes. not, it's not like us, people say, well, what should I do? And I'm like, well, you got to figure out what works for you. Right. But, but you're coming to the retailer already saying, this is the promo plan that works. Yes. And so follow it and we'll sell together. Yeah. The, the other piece too is, um, where do you want your products placed? Yeah. There's a big issue. So it may seem simple for some categories, Mm -hmm. but in the snacking world, not it's not. Mm-hmm. Where do you want your product? Because there's a lot of stores, they're still not quite sure how to deal with this modern consumer. Right. They will have a store than a store that's organic. Mm-hmm. They will have a gluten-free section. It's an aisle, right. Um, they mm-hmm. will have a diet-based section. They may have things by your by um, over-the-counter mm-hmm. drugs as a health food. Um, so going in, you need to be pretty particular and... and Give the retailer some guidance on where you want to be. Now, sometimes you don't get to the right person. Right. That's right. also another another problem, <laughs> right? right? right. Yeah. So, so, are you mostly in this in um, where the bars would be? We usually we, or we, the, where we position? Yes, we want to be main, mainline be snacks. Yeah, okay. mainline snacks. It's just because of where the consumer is looking for portable, healthy mm, snacks. Right. Right. And so we we start there. Mm-hmm. Now. 
we have some other retailers that have placed us in some other categories, which is great because we can learn from it. Yeah, are we yeah, better off to be in a different spot mm-hmm. away from all the noise? Right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, there's and then there's one area that most companies like that of our size wouldn't talk about, but we are. Uh, we're mm-hmm. talking about the check lanes, mm-hmm. and if you go up to the check lanes, the product assortment there hasn't changed in fifty years. Yeah, no, it's awful. It's yep. the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you got this little this little magazine demise that's right, happening right, right now. Right. Yeah. And uh, magazines you won't you won't find them in stores probably in the next mm-hmm. five years. Mm-hmm. But you look at the allocated space up there. Right. There's a lot. So we also know that consumers are looking for healthier options. Mm-hmm. They they want the choice up mm-hmm. there. So we're really leading an effort to take check lanes and look at mm-hmm. that as a different type of opportunity for retailers as a almost a secondary placement mm-hmm. to what I was talking about yeah, earlier. Yeah, and you know, even if they don't buy you, they see the brand when they're standing there, right? right? And maybe they'll buy it again, right? They cuz they've seen it. Well, now. And, and that's that's the beauty of being able to try things. So, mm-hmm. um, where we have been able to place our products at checkout mm-hmm. as a secondary location, it's mm-hmm. it's a it's a 4x lift. Wow. Baseline every nice. single day. Yeah. Nice. Um, so we know there's demand there. We know mm-hmm. that consumers will buy the products up there mm-hmm. and they want, they're looking for that, that choice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They're captive to yes. online. Yeah. yeah. And you have, you have retailers like uh, Raleigh's out West that mm-hmm. has completely gotten rid of anything processed, anything sweet. Right. Right. All confection yeah. gone mm-hmm. off, off their check lanes. And so we're seeing more and more retailers starting to adopt mm-hmm. towards that. Mm-hmm. Um, we think it'll land somewhere in the between. I don't think it's going to be as extreme as mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. We think it'll land somewhere in the middle, mm-hmm. that there's got to be a good balance of, mm-hmm. you know, people want a treat. That's okay. Go get right, a treat. But right. then there's others that are just want a different choice mm-hmm. because of a dietary restriction mm-hmm. or something like that. So. Mm-hmm. So do you see yourself um, acquiring some more brands into a portfolio? That's Yes, that is part of our, mm-hmm. our strategy, yep. um, either through acquisition or creation. Mm-hmm. So um, we, we are, we've been approached several times by mm-hmm. some brands that are, they just don't have it in them anymore. Right. To, to, and, and you've probably seen a lot of this out there mm-hmm. too. Um, they have to be a right fit for us. Yeah, of um, course. Our longer-term plan is to evolve as going to be a portfolio company mm-hmm. of like-minded brands. Right. Well, and that mindfulness, if you're really positioning around it, that that's kind of the defining feature, yes. right? It's got to have that or it's not an evolved brand. Yeah. 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 The You know, one of the determining pieces when, when you start to look in that space is mm-hmm. if the product is easily replicated. Mm-hmm. We we tend to shy we're gonna shy yeah. away from it. Yeah. Right. Because it's like Right, I know. You're if I can make this all at this home work, or I know. Right. Exactly. Somebody can run knock off private label. Yep. It's kinda like uh. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And much like you saw I think early on is that mm-hmm. you had a very differentiated product coming out. Mm-hmm. And now you kind of see where it's 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 morphed right. to. Right. And but, now you have to keep differentiating. Right. But yeah, you have to have... But if we didn't have so much depth to the brand, you know, then they there would be no place to go yeah. now that everybody's doing this. But there's plenty there. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, that's what's nice the, about the mindful thing. Yeah. And that's, you know, we're, we're constantly looking, but um, 
right now our sole focus is to drive mm-hmm. our distribution footprint on our current yeah, base. Course. We have of to course. build that. Because then you can put the new brands in it. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. So as and again, as as a new company, we're we're mm-hmm. establishing our own relationships. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, I was given relationships before. Yeah. It's really yeah. kind of interesting. I know, of course. You know, yeah. oh hey, here's your new director. Okay, here you go. Like yeah. here, we're gonna have a meeting, lunch meeting, great. You know, you, you, we have to establish these on our own. Mm-hmm. And it's it's um, you know, the thing that also is that I, I tell people this is our business is not run behind our desk mm-hmm. in our facility. And we tell the staff there this all the time. I said, if we're mm-hmm. here, that is not a good thing. Right, right. You, you want us to be gone. You want us mm-hmm. to be gone. We have to be because nothing, and again, they're they're making product there and it, it's, it's a system that's in place. Mm-hmm. But if we have to be there, that means mm-hmm. we're not out in the marketplace meeting mm-hmm. people, working with customers, um, getting in front of consumers. It takes a lot of effort to do that. It does, yeah. So, do you do any um, other than like trade promotion? Are you doing um, social media? Are you doing um, what do you think about online sales? You know, all that kind of yeah. stuff, digital. So, let's talk about the digital. Let's world. talk about digital. So, um, social media really important, mm-hmm. and we have um, we have our social social media manager mm-hmm. that that really does the day to day. Right, because it isn't it isn't just like you you put up your Facebook page and you never go back to right. it again. Yeah, um, we have a defined strategy. Mm-hmm. We have a calendar in place. Whoa, uh, a calendar! What, what a novel man. idea! Yeah, but, yeah. But when you and again, this is really next phase. So when you're starting off, you're by yourself. Right, you right. Have to you have, do it all. Yeah, no, I get but it. After a while, it gets to this point where it's like, oh my gosh, I'm spending so much time anymore. on this. But it's important because mm-hmm. you're establishing one-to-one relationships with, with your consumer base. So so we have a whole, whole marketing direction on social media. We have guidelines. We have a calendar. We, so it, one of the things we realized is that we were missing like just key things out in the marketplace. Like Gluten-free month. Mm-hmm. Whoa, we missed that. Like, and so, right. so didn't being, know about that. Being the mm-hmm. plan forward on that is a really great, nice, yeah, great avenue yeah, yeah. because it's um, it makes you work much more efficient. And you're, and again, you're giving direction mm-hmm. to somebody now handling social media, right? Okay. Um, so then, online sales. So the average food company will do less than five percent online, right? We've established our business plan to be anywhere from the fifteen to twenty percent mm-hmm. online. Okay. Um, the one thing we keep saying is that brick and mortar is slow; mm-hmm. digital is not. Right. So we are working really hard to mm-hmm. drive conversion online, whether it be on mm-hmm. Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, so you are are you in Amazon Marketplace or where are you on Amazon? We, we're Amazon Prime. Amazon uh, Prime. Amazon mm-hmm. Prime. Um, you know the thing with with Amazon is again. I never dealt with it. Right. Yeah. So, Welcome to the new world. So right? we've we've actually that's one that we've made the investment and hired an agency mm-hmm. to help us navigate Amazon because yeah. you it's a search engine. Mm-hmm. You have to find the keywords. You have to be very buttoned up on your pages. It's a marketing. There's marketing dollars you can spend behind it. it, it yeah, and you, nothing happens if you don't. Yeah. I mean, what I so I have one example of a company that has um, seven figures in sales and in. And they and it's um, kombucha making hmm. kits. Okay, so it's not actually kombucha. It's not it's a kits. food. It's a kit for making a food. For it's like the equivalent of home brewing kits, right? 
Um, and she spends three quarters of all of her time working the social media Amazon stuff. Yeah. And sells almost exclusively on Amazon. But it is like a full-time job to sell on Amazon. It really is. And that's that's partly why we've outsourced yeah, that with... Yeah, I know. Um, to, to people who know what they're doing. Exactly. And, yeah, and totally. It's, there's software systems. It's actually a very sophisticated process. It is. There's software systems in place. There's... There's tracking and analytics behind it, so you're mm-hmm. always refining your messages mm-hmm. within the Amazon platform. Right. And it, to your point, it takes a lot of time. Yeah. It takes a lot of time, but it's important. So for us, you know, being able to be on Amazon Prime mm-hmm. is a big deal because people can order, they get their free shipping, they love it. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, our hosted website, we had to mm-hmm. go through a whole um, reinvention on our, our website. So I if bet. you think about it, we had two different brands. Right, two different brands, sitting, two different websites. Yeah, not, know. yeah, unrelated. All. So so we've actually integrated the websites mm-hmm. now. Um, so you'll see both brand tabs on there. One single checkout. Mm-hmm. That was the thing is we'd nice. have consumers going to Supernola. Yeah, yeah. And, and they didn't then, even know we had then, really good Right, right, of and, course. And so we're able to, mm-hmm. to do that. Um, we're able to build a subscription service model mm-hmm. within that mm-hmm. that we can market against. Mm-hmm. So it's, it is a completely different arm of the business, but mm-hmm. it's really important. And we're investing in that because... You know, we've we've said all along is that we should be able to run our entire business mm-hmm. on, online. Mm-hmm. If we ever choose to pull out of the right, brick and mortar, because right, right. it's too expensive, because it gets too ridiculous, yeah, we're going to go and, there. Yeah, but you know, um, but we're we're also a snack food company, so snacks and single serve snacks. So it's all about it's, touch points. It is, yeah. So you'll yeah. you'll hear me talk about touch points mm-hmm. a lot, and so um, you know, a little different with some of the other categories yeah. that. You know, maybe a real true destination yep. that that consumer is looking right. for. Ours are driven a lot on impulse. Yep. It's on the go. Yeah. Um, and I, I, every, all the data I'm still seeing about um, about digital online sales of food is saying it's an anomalous category. Yeah. And when they ask consumers, you know, what, why don't they buy more? It's be, they say something along the lines of, "I like to pick out my own tomato." Yeah. Right. There, there's just something about that. That makes it difficult. And then, as I said, you know, you know this. People just don't go on Amazon because they want to get a snack food. Right. <laughs> it's kind of you know. Yeah. Until they well, really, until they find something and they realize, wow, I can't get this, and I really do like this kale thing, and I have this dietary restriction, and I, I'm traveling all the time for work. This, I could, by the way, be, this could be me, <laughs> and just saying. Boy, I should just have a case of this stuff right. sit in my house, and then I don't have to like be marooned in an airport with nothing to right. eat. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and you go, you go through. We look at the different dynamics of consumer and shopper behavior. Mm-hmm. So, the next time you go to the store and you have your list, right. count how many things you bought outside that list. Mm-hmm. Those are unplanned purchases. Mm-hmm. And in the snack food world, that's. That's where that's you got to you, be. That's, right, because they're not putting their snack on right. the list. Yeah. Yeah. It makes so, total sense. So we can drive consumers to Amazon or to our website through mm-hmm. education. Doesn't still mean they're going to buy. Mm-hmm. It may be just a touch point that they're like, oh, right. I'm aware of this. Yep. Oh, I happened to see your event at a Girls on the Run event. My right. daughter, oh, here, here you are at the store. I'm going to mm-hmm. buy you. So didn't Epic do that? Epic, that's the, isn't it Epic, the the meat snack? They were brilliant at that. Yes. Right? They just like came out of nowhere, right? And that's because they got this touch point thing, right? Right, right. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's something in our, um, in our, 
our strategy that mm-hmm. we we've been very deliberate in in talking to people that you know if we had developed Supernola as just a stand up bag. Mm-hmm. 14-ounce stand-up bag. Guess guess where we're placed. Right. Center right, store. Right. Dead, dead, dead aisle, dead category, tr- dead everything, dead. right? The second mm-hmm. we move to single serve, mm-hmm. our marketplace explodes mm-hmm. because now we can go talk to drug. We can talk to mash. We can talk to grocery. We can go to convenience. Mm-hmm. Name an organic snack food company that has convenience as a core strategy right, of their business. Right. There's 155,000 outlets out there of mm-hmm. convenience. And... There's 55,000 grocery stores mm-hmm. and right. 18,000 drug stores. Right, and, uh, it's right. Like, it, I get it. And, it, and um, you know, go into a quick trip, right? In, in the town I live in, Stoughton, they just put up a brand new quick trip. I was like, holy shit, look at this right. store, man. It looks like a grocery store right. and not a, not, a, not a crappy one, right. like a really good grocery store. I'm like, huh, this is totally different. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, Valley milk in there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, and again, as part of our, our strategy, how do you identify, you know, we say convenience is an opportunity. Mm-hmm. We're not saying all convenience. Right. Right. So we've been very strategic in which ones we're going to go after. Mm-hmm. So, so it's, it's not the whole channel. Mm-hmm. We don't think the whole channel's quite ready, but there are ones like Quick Trip. Mm-hmm. Like Sheets, like Maverick, that mm-hmm. have aligned a partnership of Healthy America, right. that have made a commitment to clean up and to bring better alternatives mm-hmm. in, and this is right where we play, and mm-hmm. it's a it's a great starting point mm-hmm. to hit that that channel. But again, it all goes back to the touch points, right? right. You know, and if you if you see Epic as an example, look at um, RX Bar, look at Go, Go Macro. RX Bar is another RX one. one. Yeah, um, Go Macro is Go a Macro. good local one. Yes, mm-hmm. and um, they just out west, they are they are hammering it out west right now, which yeah. is great. It's, it's their target market. It really is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where was I? I think I was. I saw them at a at a checkout counter in an. I think it was in an airport. I think it was. I think it was um, Austin, Texas, okay, something yeah. like that would make sense. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, and again, that goes back to that single serve. Yeah. I think of our marketplace opportunity. You know, again, if we were stand up bags, we're not talking mm-hmm. about going to the airport. Right. <laughs> you know, so, um, so for us, it's, it's, there's so many opportunities out there. We, mm-hmm. we have a, we have a tracker list. We keep track of it. We are constantly mm-hmm. on it. Um, yeah. And it's, this is, now this must be getting really fun for you because before it was all this stuff that you didn't know so well in the business right. that you had to learn and all this stuff. And now it's like, yes, it's time <laughs> to sell. I get this right. part of it. Right. Well, and, and we, we can determine what success looks like. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know if I would have been able to define that a year ago, even at a retail standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Now when we have our, our brokers mm-hmm. and our retail customers, we can define, here's what we expect success mm-hmm. to look like. Right. And it is mainline placement. It is getting on checkouts. Mm-hmm. It's a secondary location here. It's running 16 weeks of promotion. It's, right. it's all these different types of activities happening mm-hmm. in store. And we're going to, we're going to do some sampling and we're going to support the event in the right. community. We have a really robust mm-hmm. plan in place plan, that we can bring, yeah. and that that takes time. But for anybody kind of looking to scale, mm-hmm. you you have to identify that up front. Yeah, and you have to identify what that thing looks like for your brand, right? right? Because it's not the same across other lots of brands, right? right? Yeah, yeah, it's, and then you know, it's there's, not formulaic. And there's going to be opportunities come your way that mm-hmm. they come out of left field, and you just yeah, you're like, 
oh my gosh, where'd this come really? from? Really? Did like, that happen? Like, <laughs> that is a frustrating thing when you're in a startup, though, because um, those things come. So my my version of that was um, Vitamin Shop really early on wanted to have us in there. But v- Vitamin Shop has like, I don't know, 2,000 stores or something, some crazy high number. And this was like literally my booth at Expo was a table with my can stacked <laughs> up on it and a little banner in the front, right? And I was like, all of Vitamin Shop, you know? <laughs> and I was so not ready to go into all of Vitamin Shop, right? And it took it took us like three years, but we eventually got in there, but I just wasn't ready, yeah. you know? Well, and that goes to what I was saying. I mean, there are certain customers we're just not ready for. Yeah. And we don't want to burn a bridge, so we're we're going to make sure we're fully prepared. Right, we... and then what? Do you, it's such a crazy thing because you're like, oh my god, this is so exciting, right. and then you go back and think, and you go, oh my god, there's no way we can do right. this, right? right? Yeah, yeah. And then you know, the, the, and there's frustration points. We Absolutely. have several retailers. We're like, we're a no brainer, right? And we can't break in. Yeah, no brainer. We can't break in. Mm-hmm. We just you got to keep after it. And mm-hmm. I have to explain to people a lot of times, like even. Even when I was at Hershey, mm-hmm. even some of our base products mm-hmm. had distribution voids. Right. I mean, just just think about a hundred year old company. Yeah, right. And there's still distribution iconic, iconic, iconic. And you look at the reports, right? you're like, oh my gosh, we're missing distribution here. So right. So the, running the distribution game is it's going to be ongoing. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't just wake up and like, oh, we got Whole Foods. Great, life is good. Right. No, doesn't work that way. Um, yeah. We just we just got into a decent sized retailer and mm-hmm. um, the distribution's off. Right. Like, wait you a minute, can't. I thought we were supposed to have this item and well I don't sit in the warehouse, but it's not in the store. Oh no, right. And, you, and all that kind of you're crazy stuff. You're constantly working all I that. I, it totally. doesn't go away. I know. I know. Or they the, the stuff got to the store and it's in the back room, it's right. not on the shelf, or yeah, all that stuff. It's just crazy. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, it's the food industry is fun though, isn't oh, it? I mean, I, I, yeah, you're in this thing. And it's a blast, and and that's it. Really, um, it's a grind. And I, uh, Cindy and I spoke at UW Madison last week, uh-huh. entre- entrepreneurs yep. program, and mm-hmm. um, the one thing somebody was asking was like, what, what's the difference, like in in the hours you're working versus what you're doing at corporate, mm-hmm. and you know, the, the best way I could explain it to them mm-hmm. is, you know, when I was at corporate. Um, I have to do this. I have right, to go here. Right. I have to do this. When I'm doing this now, I want to do this. Mm-hmm. I want to go to this event. I want to go to this retailer. Mm-hmm. I can't, you know, I and I do. I want to go. It's, totally get It's that. the best, and you don't measure the hours that way. It's and again, it's it's just you just you do it because yeah. you. Because you have this passion for right. it. And this is the thing. You will never be able to work for anybody else ever again. Like I once know. you, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. once you get this, and I'm I'm so lucky to be where I am at the university because they're, they've given me enough space to create this FFI thing within a very large organization. Yes. But I, I feel the same way. Like I felt the same way at when I was doing Chair's Way. I get to do this, yeah. you know, I get to go to another meeting. I get to do this. Right. And I still feel that way. Yeah. Like I... I don't know how you go back to I have to do it after you've had the opportunity right. to be I get to do it. Yeah. 
all the time in your life. It's it's the it's the greatest thing about being an entrepreneur. Yeah, and it's and again, it it comes with its lumps, though. Oh, you bet. You, and you, know, you people bet. Talk and it's about not it. like you don't have boss. Like people are like, well, you don't have a boss. Well, you know, you have your customers are your bosses. Your bank is your boss. In some ways, you have more bosses. You, do. you know, yeah. but you it. it Underlying that, there's this sense of choice, though, that right. you've chosen this as opposed to having it imposed on you. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's just, and that's, it's exactly it. And it's great breaking into a new customer. It's great seeing consumers' feedback when they're yeah. trying it. It's great seeing the social media posts that people are talking about your brands and your yeah. company. Um, it's more personal. It really is. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it makes the hard work. Just much that much better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The risk, on the other hand, not everybody's going to do right. Like no. I tell people, I I personally guaranteed fourteen million dollars at a time when my net worth wasn't. It's laughable compared to my, <laughs> compared to that, right? And. I was like, yep, I'm going to be um, living in a yurt if this all falls apart. Yeah. Um, and that level of risk is not something that most well, people you gotta, can live with, right? right. And, and I talked earlier about cash flow. Mm-hmm. So I go to, so when I was in corporate, I would go to, let's say I was going to Portland. I'd fly Delta, I would stay at Hilton, we'd take people out to dinner, we'd have some great meetings, rent mm-hmm. a car, off you go. I go to Portland, Airbnb. Right. I'm doing a um, rental car share program. Which, right, 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 <laughs> right, right, like, right. Like, and we're, we're, we're getting lunch at the food truck. At the food truck. And I love yeah. it. I love it. Which every, is Portland food trucks. Yeah, which are is awesome, really by the way. Awesome. Yeah, which yeah, is awesome. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, and, it's, and I'm like, well, look how much money I saved because if I would have stayed at, oh, God, taking this different whatever, airline, right? if I would have stayed at this hotel, if I would have gotten the rental car just because of my points that I always got, mm-hmm. you know, all of a sudden it's like seven, eight, Nine hundred dollars, and I'm like, right. that goes along. See, I put that in perspective now. To of payroll, course, yeah. To buying ingredients, to all these mm-hmm. things where the money has to go within the business, right? Right. Um, the other, the other piece too is that you know, for people in the space, and and we talk about this internally, but um, is there a kill switch? Mm-hmm. You, you got to be realistic. Right. If, if you're going down this thing and you don't hit what mm-hmm. and and you keep trying, you don't like what is the kill switch? Mm-hmm. Because you can get yourself really upside down, really in a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. And if it's not working, right, have the ability to say it's not working. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And understand your your relative risk level. Like I. I, I, I was probably similar to yours. Well, no, actually not, because I know your kids are younger than mine were when you started this. When my my two kids, I have three children. Two of them were already in college. One of them was still at home. But she was like a year from going to, going to college at the time. And um, I would not have been willing to take that level of financial risk if I hadn't like fledged my kids like for me right. personally that that I needed to get them through the you know raising them and then getting them off into college and you know then I was w- willing to like put everything I had on the line to do it but before I wasn't you know and I encourage people because of the financial thing involved in this to really think about like yeah. where you know like what are you willing to do, and what aren't you willing to right. do? Yeah, right. there's you got You have to be realistic with it. Yeah, um, 
And I do see, so, you know, even though I do think right now the environment, as you said, like there's going to be a shakeout coming because there's so much craziness and you want to be one of the remaining surviving brands, um, I do see occasionally companies still that are just breaking through, like they're, they're, you know what I mean? That there's something about what they're doing that is just like, and, and the other thing I can say is that, um, I I am on the periodically on the selection committee for NCN for their pitch events um, and all over they do a whole bunch of them right all over the world and and time after time the the brands that have somebody like you in them as a founder or or, or they're founded by somebody else and they bring in somebody like you to be a partner and do sales and marketing yeah. they outperform. Um, really predictably because you know how to do this, right? You get it to the place where this is all about sales and marketing and then you have nobody in the company who knows how to do this. They don't grow. They, it really is a problem for those brands. So and I guess that is, it is. And again, it's part of uh, my background. So I'm able to, I'm able to rattle off things like how do I know 155,000 C stores are out there? Yeah, right. Exactly. Or how do you know about even putting a plan like this together and talking to the retailer about that? Because actually that's what the retailer care about. Like that it's tastes good is sort of, yeah, of course it tastes good, but we got to have all this other stuff. And and most people are going in there with, hey, I got a really good whatever. Yeah. Taste it. Yeah. 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 And the, the piece that um, we struggle with even at our size that I, I didn't when as a bigger company is is the level of data like we talked about. Oh, yeah. And so even for us to get mm-hmm. a little bit of information goes it's a, a lot long of money. way. Mm-hmm. And, and it's expensive too, mm-hmm. right? So we're we're very careful in... in what type of information we get. Mm-hmm. And obviously, if there's things that we can get without a cost, we are always looking for that. Mm-hmm. Because it, it sets up your selling story right. with a level of insights about what you're seeing in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you can bring that perspective to the retailer. They like mm-hmm. that. thing you got to remember is, is even you think retailers, they're not always up on trends like you would think. No, no. Actually, they really appreciate when you help them they, understand that they stuff, do. right? Yeah. And so, yeah. so f- for us being able to bring in a level of insight and talk about what does mindful mean? Mm-hmm. How are you checking all the boxes? What are some of the, the stats out there right now from consumer ailments mm-hmm. that your consumer base is looking for things that are gluten-free, mm-hmm. that are non-GMO, they want organic. Mm-hmm. Um, so being able to bring those types of insights into a retailer, it, it allows you to be much more collaborative, mm-hmm. and you're helping them solve a gap. Right. And that they didn't even know they had. They didn't know they had. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So do you, what for the future of Evolve Brands, do you think you're going to stay in the snack category or maybe some mindful products that are not necessarily snacks? What are you thinking? Yeah, so I think... I, I can't define that right now because yeah. I know I'm putting you in a box. No, here. we've yeah. we've um, as we've talked about this portfolio approach around mindful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could go a lot of different directions. I know. Yeah, that's why I asked. You know, so obviously core to us is snacking, and as we're building that footprint, mm-hmm. um, us being able to plug in snack foods would be strategically much better than if we got into drinks. Right, right. A different buyer, different, different buyer, store. not a lot of synergy. Yeah, yeah. so. Um, so time will tell. The, the snacking space seems mm-hmm. to be a good spot for us, though, mm-hmm. right now. Um, over time, yeah, we 
Who we knows? would evaluate, yeah. but that's the beauty is, you know, when you see opportunity, mm-hmm. sometimes you just got to roll with it. Right, so. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, well, and I, I think of all the, I don't know if they're, the meat snack, meat category has, if there's still room in that for snacks or not, but I mean, we got a lot of meat people around here. There's a lot. There's a lot. We do a lot of grass-fed beef around here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, then that's you know that's that's part of evaluating brands and looking at areas mm-hmm. like is it saturated? Is it a sleepy category right, that right, hasn't exactly. been reinvented in mm-hmm. some time? Is there a is there a gap in the category? Yep. You know, so to the average person, it might be like, oh my gosh, there's all these jerkies out here. Well, right, what right. about a plant based jerky? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about different types of plant based jerkies? Right, right, plant based anything at the moment. Yes, yep, yeah. Yep. So that's that's where it really does get. Interesting when you start to evaluate if mm-hmm. you know you want to make a decision to even get into a category. Right, right, right. Wow, we have covered a lot of territory. <laughs> have we missed anything? I'm sure we did, but I'm sure we did. <laughs> well, we'll have to have you back. That'll there we solve go. That problem. That's great. <laughs> I'm sure, knowing you, I'm sure that you're going to be off doing amazing things for the next year, and we could bring you back, and you'd have a whole bunch of new insights for us. So. That would be great. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming down. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks for listening. You can get more podcasts by subscribing on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And you can learn more about Edible Alpha by visiting our website at ediblealpha.org.